0: Those who view Gustav Mahler's symphonic works as models of pure, absolute music like to refer especially to the Fifth Symphony. They point out that there is no detailed program for this work. Conductor Bruno Walter, for instance, states that neither conversations with Mahler nor anything in the music suggested that extra musical thoughts or emotions had exerted any influence on the music of the Fifth. It was music passionate, wild, pathetic, sweeping, solemn, gentle, full of all emotions of the human heart, yet only music. No trace of any metaphysical question enters into its purely musical course, that from Bruno Walter. Whoever adheres to this opinion, however, does not realize the nature of the fifth, which, like all of Mahler's music, makes a statement one that is based on an inner program that is kept secret. That, according to Constantine Floros, Floros points to the fourth movement of the Fifth Symphony. Floris reminds us that this movement was made famous thanks to the Kino Visconti's film Death in Venice, and it is a song without words. It's written for harp and strings, and the directions in the score, soulful with deepest emotion and mit verma with warmth, that Mahler supplies for the performance of the Adagetto convey only a pale impression of the soulfulness and intimacy of this music. In the score he used, the conductor Willem Mengelberg made some notations that are of value for a deeper understanding of the Adagetto. He wrote, this Adagetto was Gustav Mahler's declaration of love for Alma. Instead of a letter, he sent her this manuscript without further explanation. She understood and wrote back that he should be with her. Both have told me this. On the left margin of the page Mengelberg entered a poem, the words of which are meant to go with the melody of the first violins. How I love you, my son, S-U-N. How I love you, my son. I cannot find words to tell you. Only my longing can I lament to you and my love my delight on the lower margin also in Mengelberg's writing we read if music is a language then this is proof he tells her everything in tones and sounds in music that from the study gustav Mahler by Konstantin floros as it happens gerardo edelstein music director and conductor of the williamsport symphony orchestra is a world traveler and he strongly believes that music is a language. As we've learned, Gustav Mahler's heart, if not on his sleeve, then it is certainly on his staves here, and we might call the adagietto the heart of his Fifth Symphony. The Mahler adagietto could perhaps lie at the heart of the final concert of the 2021 20, 22 season of the Williamsport Symphony as well, surrounded on either side by a wide range of high-spirited pieces, works filled with joy at the culmination of a fully successful season of music, and that was music made at the Community Arts Center under the direction of Gerardo Edelstein. In anticipation of the final program this Tuesday evening, May 17th, we had a chance to speak by phone with Gerardo Edelstein about the season and the program.
1: This year, I have to say that it's very special. And uh, you can imagine after uh, two years of COVID where uh, one year we couldn't do anything, the other season we did a little bit, but not much and not with full orchestra. And this is the first season that... We could complete all five concerts like in the past, you know, and I have a, a full season with, with great soloists and, you know, fabulous programs and, and a wonderful audience that little by little returned to, to the CAC. And I was impressed, you know, in our last concert, the attendance, the attendance was great, and I hope for this one will be even better.
0: Well, Gerardo, we've learned from your conversations with Fiona that you're very careful in choosing and putting together a program and that you have colleagues at the orchestra who are weighing in, maybe the music programming committee weighing in. This is a wonderful way to end the season, bring it to a climax. It has that feel.
1: Right, right, right. And, yeah, I think the input from, from the musicians in the orchestra, the community, board members, is, is extremely Extremely important, uh, because these concerts are for them, and we wanted to do the best that we can. Besides, you know, the the repertoire, the orchestral repertoire is so large, there is so much, so much there to choose from, that I want to make sure that all what we do appeals to, to everybody, and not only to one sector of the community.
0: And the idea of a theme does help focus. You can have a program that's widely varied, but still there is some sort of maybe an arc that can develop because you have a focus.
1: Right, right, exactly. I I like, but, you know, I have to tell you the truth that I start first uh, with um, a general idea when when we meet with this committee. You know, trying to bring music from different styles and, and pieces, of course, that the orchestra has not played uh, recently. And then we start the selection process that is very exciting, and, and every member of the committee gives you know just uh, ideas, input, and and then when when the pieces, the music has been selected. That's when we start actually brainstorming about the theme, and that makes it, of course, a little more difficult, but I think in the first place, what is very interesting to me is that we will bring music, again, that appeals to everyone, just great music, and from different styles, uh, totally different composers from from different backgrounds. And then if we can find a a theme like, uh, you know, this last one, that is probably the most obvious, because when we are talking variety, we will talk about music from all over the world and composers from some, you know, different nationalities and and showcasing uh, something special from different areas in the world.
0: Theme, Gerardo, as you've just talked about, it is timely in the sense that we are all so aware in these distressing times that we are part of the same world, and yet there are differences, and we can learn from each other. So it doesn't mean that this is in any way a lesson, but it does open us up to the positive parts of being from a diverse world.
1: Exactly. And and music uh, is a universal language. You know, I've been guest conducting and and doing things all over the world in four or five continents through my career. And it's amazing. Uh, I've been in certain places that uh, we don't speak the same language, but we still were able to communicate through music and and create uh, incredible concerts, you know, to just play together incredible concerts, very moving. And again, you don't need to talk too much, maybe a word or a few words here and there, but uh, again, I think that music, it's a universal language and it's something that I would say it could it could possibly eventually unite uh, this crazy world.
0: May it be so. Gerardo, you've planned our itinerary. Where should we begin?
1: Well, I mean, we can start with uh, this part of the world and uh, we are showcasing one American composer, one female African-American composer that has been rediscovered recently, and her name is Florence Price. Not many uh, audience members may, may know her. She's absolutely a fabulous composer, uh, lived most of her life in Chicago, teaching, performing, composing, and she has over 300 compositions in pretty much every genre. She wrote four symphonies, that they have been recorded recently, and you know, chamber music, piano works, and it's just delightful music. And the piece I'm going to present for this concert uh, is called Dances in the Cane Breaks, and it's a piece originally for piano that was later orchestrated by another great composer, Grant Steele. And uh, these are three different dances that, you know, are delightful and we, we can hear a lot of the, uh, you know, African-American elements, uh, I mean, the music, you know, rugs, uh, dances. I mean, it, it's, it's really a beautiful, a beautiful piece and that deserves to be played more and more. And also from this part of the world, we're going south a little bit, to Mexico. The other composer discovered also not long ago, uh, Arturo Marquez. Mexican composer who also lived uh, for a little bit here uh, in the United States uh, with a fellowship. He is *Piece Danzon* number two. Uh, it's one of his most uh, performed pieces, orchestral pieces. And when I say danzon, you know, it rhymes with dance somehow. It is a dance. Uh, the the origin is actually Cuba, but this type of dance was also uh, used in a lot of Mexican music, and uh, I guess the Mexicans adopted, they loved the dance, they loved the rhythms, and, and adopted that type of that genre, and uh, Marquez wrote this uh, beautiful danzon uh, for a full orchestra. Uh, you know, I have the feeling, like a piazzola or like other Latin American composers who like to dance and, you know, that kind of feeling, you know, move as we, <laughs> as we play the music. So, from here, we can go to Europe, you know, to the more traditional Western European music with, with one of my favorite uh, adagios ever written, and this is by Gustav Mahler, is the adagietto from his uh, Symphony Number no. 5. You know, not, not long ago, one of my students, you know, asked me a very challenging question he asked me, what is your favorite melody ever written? And I said, wow, that's a very, very challenging question. And uh, after thinking and thinking through it, and I said, you know, how about Mahler's Adagietto? And, you know, although I probably change my mind every time I do (laughs) other pieces, because I always fall in love with the piece I am performing, at that particular moment. But, but this one has something special. He wrote it as a declaration of love for his future wife, Alma Mahler. And, you know, they said, wow, what, what a present, right? What a uh, something so special and, and so beautifully written. It's just for strings and harp. And that's also quite unique because Mahler writes these very large orchestrations and all the symphonies. Every movement, it's, it's pretty, pretty big in terms of instrumentation and, and sometimes length. But this one, that is, it's right in the middle of his Fifth Symphony. It's just for strings and, and harp. And It's one of those very unique, unique pieces and, and a beautiful moment. You know, I think we are going to start the second half oh, with that piece. It will be very special.
0: Gerardo, when you talk about a beautiful, exquisite melody like that, could that love song, in quotes, could it actually be a song? Could it be sung? Could you put words to it? Is it that kind of melody? Um,
1: could possibly. It's a little more complicated because of the harmonies and the different contours, and it works better for instru- instruments, uh, but, uh, you know, I never thought about it. You know, having said that, I don't know if you're familiar with the Adagio by Samuel Barber, and that one that is also so very beautiful, and it has been also transcribed for choir with words, and... I think again, I, I think that is probably uh, possible <laughs> maybe it 's a project for me when I retire <laughs> you know it 's something that that people could possibly you know leave the concert humming I, 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 can, I, I can imagine that yes, 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 and then from there we moved to to Italy with Rossini and La Gazzaladra overture. Uh, Rossini is mostly an opera composer he wrote thirty nine operas and What's incredible about him is that he retired very young. I think he was thirty five or something. So he lived another forty years just enjoying from the royalties of of his uh, operas being performed. Wouldn't it be nice, right, to retire that, that young? <laughs> uh, and he was so successful that uh, worked so hard his first uh, years, and in, you know as a professional composer, that I guess he said, well, this is all what I have to say, you know, those 39 operas. Although he, he did write some more music after, but, but very sporadically. And yeah, enjoy his life. He was a great cook, apparently, and uh, enjoy, you know, going to concerts and, and having parties and cooking. And his writing is, is uh, very delightful. It's, he's probably one of the pioneers of the opera buffa, opera comique. Uh, the majority of his operas are pretty light and, uh, you know, the subjects are also either funny or, you know, just these very light uh, stories that were, were very, very typical during that time. Uh, I think that it will be what it will be the prelude to much later, what, what uh, Puccini will do, it will call verismo, you know, just like real stories, real things, real things that could happen in life, rather than just using mythological characters or fictional characters. And so this one, it, it's again, it's a very light, light opera, and uh, the only thing that survives pretty much is the, is the overture. And of course, some of the themes that, you know, happened during the opera, you will use in, in the overture. From here, we move to, I will leave the soloist to the end. We'll move to a kind of Russia and Spain, because this piece by Rimsky-Korsakov is called Capriccio Spaniol. It was very typical of composers during the Romantic period, 19th century, that they will explore music from other countries, neighboring countries. And here is a Russian guy who was also a Navy officer before becoming a famous composer, apparently traveled to to Spain and fell in love with the Spanish music and wrote this extremely virtuosic piece for orchestra that showcases pretty much every section in the orchestra with some solos in the violin, uh, in the harp, in the flute the oboe uh, in the brass section the horns the, the trumpets I mean everybody the percussion that is very large everybody has something very very important and very virtuosic it's almost like a a study in orchestration when uh, he looks for all the uh, pyrotechnics and the most difficult things that an orchestra or an instrument can do. And it will show. It will show in the performance. You know, we had already a couple of rehearsals. The orchestra is doing beautifully, marvelously, and they're very excited to play this these masterwork. And that will be the last piece in the program. So, last but not least, uh, going to Hungary with Franz Liszt in his Hungarian fantasy. You know, there are so many stories about Franz Liszt being one of the greatest pianists of all time. It was also during that period that virtuosity and performers, uh, you know, will become sort of uh, Elvis Presley of the 19th century, very famous and, and very thought after, and, you know, the audience will go specially to to listen to them play, and at least developed the piano in a way that nobody was until then, and, you know, very, very, very virtuosic, and, and wrote hundreds and hundreds of incredible pieces, including this fantasy that is, of course, based on Hungarian themes, and it's, it's a very free, uh, it's called fantasy because it doesn't have the structure of a concerto that normally has three movements so these pieces in one movement but it's what we call through composed and it, you know it goes from something more lyrical to something more virtuosic uh, or more passionate to something more delicate and we really need a pianist with bravura would I say and, and uh, Xinjiang, uh will be fantastic for this. I got the chance to meet her uh a couple of years ago at uh, Penn State and you know I heard her playing and I was very 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 impressed and she currently teaches at Susquehanna University, and we are delighted to have her as our soloist. You know, as I said earlier, I feel very fortunate and and I think we are very lucky that we were able to put together our five concerts this season after very, very difficult two years. and And we see the future as a as very bright. Everybody is really excited, looking forward to days and looking forward to the future to make more music together. And we have already prepared. The new season that we will announce uh, a little bit this Tuesday during the concert. And I'm sure I will have the pleasure to talk to you or Fiona in the future about it. But uh, I'm very excited about what, what is coming up. But, but this will be a fantastic culmination of, of a very, very wonderful season. And, and I hope uh, people will come with their families uh, because there will be something for everyone. Uh, all this variety in music. And these different composers, different periods, and very different styles, I think everybody will, will enjoy. I can guarantee it.
0: Gerardo Edelstein, music director and conductor of the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra, speaking with us about the final program of the 2021-2022 20, 20, season of the orchestra to be presented this Tuesday, May 17th, at 7.30 p.m., Music from Around the World at the Community Arts Center, 220 West 4th Street in downtown Williamsport. For more information on the web, caclive.com or williamsportsymphony.org, williamsportsymphony.org. Xinjiang will be the featured soloist with the Franz Liszt Hungarian Fantasy for piano and orchestra, but there will be Rossini and Florence Price, Gustav Mahler, Arturo Marquez, and it's a grand finale for the season. Again, Tuesday, May 17th at 7.30 p.m. at the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra's place of performance, the Community Arts Center, 220 West 4th Street in downtown Williamsport. For more information on the web, CACLive.com CACLive.com or WilliamsportSymphony.org